You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Oh! It is Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Nut channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Drop us a text, a voicemail, anything you got for us. You got some thoughts on some of our previous episodes, maybe our conversation from yesterday about free agency. Maybe your thoughts on the Bulls in the state of what they're playing like anything you've got for us drop us texts voicemails 331-979-1369 you know it it's wednesday and wednesday every single wednesday we do mailbag and that's exactly what we're going to do today matt how are you today halfway through the week and we got bulls basketball for the first time in a few days headed out for five games on the west coast buckle up because uh this could be a what's disaster. up jordan what's up bulls nation yeah i mean i am looking forward to this uh five game west coast road trip the bulls start tonight um reminder that's a late 9 p.m central time tip off uh against the blazers tonight this is going to be a real test uh, for this young Bulls team that has showed us kind of a mixed bag in the last handful of games under Jim Boylan. We talked about it on a previous pod earlier this week, I think Monday, about how the Pacers game on Friday night was a lot of fun. It was competitive. Levine and Markinen played well. Wendell had a big bounce back game. Chris Dunn, career high assists, all these fun things. And yeah, they lost the game, but they played competitively against one of the better teams in the East and honestly one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And then the dud that followed that a blowout loss to Brooklyn where the offense grinded to a halt again. So we don't really know what to expect coming in to start this West Coast road trip, but that that road dog mentality phrase that we've heard from Boylan a lot and now some of his players are echoing um, in sort of like a call and response of what this team is trying to be right now. 
Well, they're they're about to put that road road dog mentality to the test. And I would expect what we've come to know about Jim Boylan is that he will revert back to what he finds to be a comfortable style of play for these young bulls, which is let's slow down the game, muddy up the game, focus on playing really good defense, and hopefully find enough ways to score some points to keep it competitive. But let's do everything we can to keep our opponent under 100 points or somewhere in that ballpark. Defense first, we'll worry about offense as we go. That is what I expect to see from the Bulls on this road trip. It's not what I want to see, but it's what I expect to see. And they're going to face a lot of tough tests, In you know, starting with tonight. I'm pretty sure the last time the Bulls played the Blazers, McCollum put a 50 spot on them and did so at, like basically in only three quarters because the game was a blowout by the end of the third and they sat McCollum for the fourth. So he put a 50 in 36. And, you know, of course, there's always the other guy that Portland has, Dame Lillard, like... This is one of several tough tests the Bulls face tonight, and I don't know if grinding it down and slowing it down will will work for them uh, because it's kind of been hit or miss in the Boylan era. Well, I can tell you one thing they're not going to do, and that's take a lot of threes. Like Jim Boylan said it's like almost almost word for word. This coming from Stefan No, I don't know if he wrote this or this was from Darnell Mayberry, but he posted this on Twitter, and this was after the Nets lost. Bobby Portis said, we beat them in almost every category, Portis said, citing rebounding, second chance points, and points in the paint. We just made seven threes, and they made 16. Boylan followed that up with, we haven't talked about a number like that. Boylan said when asked how many three-pointers he liked his team taking, take your open shots, we're focused on getting the ball downhill, trying to drive the ball, trying to get paint points and then spray out for open shots he said we lost the three-point line by nine makes and a lot of attempts Boylan said that's what they do to me that's not what we're going to do right now does that make you angry I mean yeah (laughs) at the same time we were talking about how there's kind of a limit on the reliable three-point shooters the Bulls have right now Holiday was one of them until he hit a cold streak and now he's been traded Bobby came back into the rotation after his ankle injury, so that's nice. And we did see him knock down three of his four three-point attempts uh, in his first game back, uh, which was a pleasant surprise after how, the way he started the season shooting uh, the long ball. But so, like, you got Bobby, you got Levine, and you got Markinen. Outside of that, there really aren't any reliable three-point shooters on this roster right now. So it's counterproductive and counterintuitive to what the the rest of the league is doing and it's Jim Boylan saying well you know we really need to focus on winning points in the paint and three pointers we'll take it when we can find them but that's not a huge concern and, and instilling that kind of thought process into his players is concerning because a lot of these high scoring teams out west that the that the Bulls are about to play you know we got the Blazers we got the Jazz we got the Warriors like this is a tough a tough road trip. I don't know if the Bulls are going to be able to stay in any of these games only shooting 15 threes and knocking down five or six of them. Like, to me, that is very unlikely. The Bulls are last in the league under Boylan in three-point attempts at 22.9. Matt, there's only three teams in the bottom 10 that are over 500 right now that are shooting, uh, that are in the bottom 10 in three-point attempts over the last month. And those three teams... Three teams are the Thunder, the Pacers, and the San Antonio Spurs. Shockingly enough, obviously the Spurs, known for not taking that many threes. The Pacers, kind of surprising there, uh, only at 24.8 attempts per game. But you're right, like 
I mean, you can't get much worse than 22.9 attempts per game. And like you said, too, like you only have so many, you only have so many options. Like with Portis coming back, that gives you a little bit more of a wiggle room to take some threes with him coming off the bench. But it's not like he's going to go out there and jack up six to eight threes a game. Like he might take three or four on a night and you'd be lucky if he does knock down half of those. That's that's really solid for Bobby Portis. Like the other night he had, he was went three for four. But Zach Levine and Markinen are probably your two best three-point shooters, and if those guys are only taking five or six a game, you're probably going to land around that number that you had mentioned, 16 to 18 threes a game. And like you said, I don't know how you stay in games that way, but if if Boylan thinks keeping teams under 100 points can keep them in games, then I guess we'll find out. But the Rockets are shooting nearly double, double the three-point attempts that the Bulls are this season. So that's wild at 43.4 three-point attempts over the last month. So that's it's just wild to me, but And like we've we've mentioned it like the the difference between when it works and when it doesn't. Like cuz we've seen G- the Jim Boylan effect work in the Bulls advantage where they you know muck up a game and slow it down and and play some really solid defense. Uh, schematically and with their a uh, level of effort and intensity, and they stay in a close game that's like you know 80s or 90s in total points scored for each team. We've also seen it backfire, and we've seen the Bulls try to slow down and muck up a game and play defense, but the defense isn't there, and they still struggle on the offensive end, and they get and they end up getting blown out. So like we've seen both of those things happen with the boiling approach, and. As I said, against some of these more high octane offenses, you gotta you gotta worry about how exactly that's gonna gonna balance out. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to mailbag, Matt. This is always one of my favorite segments to do here on a show. Every single week, we get to hear from Bulls fans, our listeners, uh, express their thoughts, their questions, whatever whatever they're thinking, whatever they ask. We always get good questions, and we always start on topics and go in different directions that we don't normally go to. So if you're a relatively new listener to the show, pull out your phone right now. Save this number in your phone, 331-979-1369. Save that as Locked On Bulls. Give us a call, a text message, before games, after games, whenever you're listening to the shows. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, Matt, let's uh, kick it off with some text messages. All right, first text message comes from the 773. If LeBron, Wade, and Bosh all passed on playing with Peak Rose in 2010, I don't think KD or any other big free agent will want to go to Chicago next summer. Let me know your thoughts. Matt, I'll let you touch on this first, and I'd also like to mention that 2010 wasn't Peak Rose yet. Like Derrick Rose hadn't won his MVP yet, so let's just keep that in mind when they were pitching LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Right. D- D- Derrick Rose was an all-star Correct. Um, in his second season, but he was not the taking over the league and doing things that we had never seen before from the point guard position at age 22 that uh, came into that season after Bron, Wade, and Bosh all spurned the Bulls and uh, joined up in Miami. That happened after the free agency summer of 2010. So, yeah, Derrick Rose was an all-star, and the Bulls had a pretty exciting young core of players. I mean, Luol Deng was in his prime and a very solid player. Joe Keem uh, was still on the rise. You know, you had the, the bench mob that was being assembled, but the bench mob being assembled and spending real money on that bench happened after, again, they failed to get any of those big big names. So, I mean, the one thing that I would point out uh, to our texter in the 773 is that 
According to multiple reports, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch really were interested in playing together in Chicago, or certainly at least LeBron and Wade were. But when they made it clear that Bron, Wade, and Bosch all wanted to play together, there were a very uh, small number of teams who could financially make that work. And the Bulls were trying to make that work, but what they needed to do to make it happen was move Luol Deng to try and free up some money. And they had a couple of different avenues that they pursued, including, I believe, the Clippers. They couldn't get a deal done to move Deng to free up that space financially. And Miami had the the means to get it done. So, yeah, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch spurned a pretty exciting young Bulls team that had a rising Derrick Rose star on it. But part of it was something that was not necessarily them spurning, but just, hey, this this can't we can't make it happen here. Um, and that's always been a huge what if and y- you wonder what would happen. At the same time, I understand where they're coming from because it's not just the summer of 2010 when the Bulls swung and missed on the top tier people in a free agent class. There's, there have been plenty of, of instances of that happening in, in the tenure of this front office. So our texture at 773 has a point because nobody on this Bulls team right now is as exciting with plenty of what at the time people believed was a limitless prime ahead of them as 21-year-old Derrick Rose, in my opinion. What about you? I agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of factors, too. Like, Wayne Bosch and LeBron all figured they could go to Miami. Like, as much as people don't think that this plays a factor, but where that they wanted to play and where they wanted to live and... Think about it too. There's no state income tax, which when you're making 150, 200 million dollars, like that is a lot of money when you're getting taxed on that. So those are all things that that come into play when you're making decisions. And I think when I referenced this yesterday, it was more so saying that like at least the Bulls tried to do something. In 2010, they knew that they had this opportunity. And they, they tried the best that they could to bring these three in. And they tried to make the deal, and it didn't work. And and that's all I ask. And that's really, I think, all you can ask as a fan is if you don't try, you never know what would happen. And you're going to sit here for the rest of your life and ask what could have been. But if at least you knew you went out and tried, then you're like, okay, if, if it doesn't work out, then so be it. But that's what I was asking with, with this summer. If Kevin Durant seriously doesn't know where he wants to go and he's going to go on a tour... Like the Bulls should be able to get a meeting. Whatever happens after that, I don't know. But the Bulls should at least they have the money, they have enough prospects to be able to to look better than some of these other tanking teams. Like I just I feel like you should at least be able to get a meeting with Kevin Durant this this summer. I don't you know it, it would be nice to see them make the effort, and it would be nice to see them actually land a meeting with KD. But again, I'm I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go to another text here before we get to our voicemails. This uh, text from the 630. Hey guys, Nick from the University of Minnesota. My question is about Zion. Uh, as most Bulls fans, I love the idea of Zion in a Bulls jersey. However, are there any concerns about his fit on this team? He's playing power four in college, but we already have Lowry. Would slotting him in at the three cause any concerns? Or is it not that big of a deal considering basketball is becoming more positionless now and Zion can just flat out play? 
Um, also, would there be a concern with him playing inside a Jim Boylan offensive system, assuming Boylan's still around next year? Thanks. Love the show. Go Bulls. Thanks for checking in, Nick. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's first world problems. <laughs> like The dude can flat out play. I don't care if he hasn't played the three in college. We'll figure it out later. It's as simple as that, right? Like if Zion is if Zion is truly the next superstar coming into the NBA, you figure it out later. If he if he can only play the four in the NBA, let's just say that for instance, he can only play the four in the NBA, and you really like marketing. And while Carter is a really good player, then 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 you move Carter. You make moves. Whoever is better is going to be on this team. So you don't make you don't. Use your decision making on whether or not to draft a potential uh, franchise changer, league changer in Zion Williamson because you don't know about where where he's going to play as far as positions goes. You draft him and figure it out later. So that's where I'm at. Like the dude is insane. The only thing that Matt that worries me about Zion is if he ends up with an injury. And I know that's 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 bad to say, and I'm knocking on wood right now. But with his size, his weight. Like if he does start to battle some injuries, I I hope that the talent can live up to it and some of the other skill sets outside of just the pure athleticism. That would be my only worry with Zion. But- yeah, I am with you in that positioning is not the issue. Um, and to those of you out there saying, well, like Matt, you always complained about the Bulls signing Jabari because he wasn't a good fit. Different things here. That's that's overspending on a free agent with two torn ACLs in his rearview mirror. This this is not drafting the best talent of a probably pretty shallow draft class when it comes to franchise changing talents. Coming into this collegiate basketball season, we were all thinking Zion looked like the most interesting prospect, but some of the other guys on Duke and a couple of other guys across NCAA hoops might be vying for the you know the number one overall pick and the and the top five picks in the NBA lottery. The more that we have seen as recently as counting last night where he did like 30, 10, and 5 and also hit a couple of threes, which is a part of game Zion's game offensively that we haven't been sure about. Like Zion continues to separate himself from the rest of this draft class with what we see him do on a college hoops court. It is becoming more and more clear that he is the number one pick of this draft. He is the stud of this draft. And oh my God, we are all hoping and praying that the Bulls get the number one pick so that they can take Zion. Because outside of anybody else in this draft right now, he looks like he could be a franchise-changing talent. So no, you don't worry about fit. And as Jordan said, if it turns out that there's kind of a, a, a bottleneck in the Bulls' front court, because Zion can't really play the three at the NBA level, and certainly I have my doubts there, that's fair, then move somebody else. If Zion looks like a, like, you know, a superstar in the making, make it work, because the Bulls cannot afford to pass on that kind of uh, you know, transcendent talent if they are so lucky to get the number one pick to take a guy who maybe fits a, a positional need more so right now. That, I mean, to me, it is clear. And, and to your point about the injury, whatever. Yeah, Zion's build makes you a little bit concerned. And, you know, is he going to play at the same weight at the NBA level as, as opposed to college? And how does he need to best keep himself in shape to play at the NBA level and make that transition? 
And is there an injury concern that comes along with that? I'm, I'm like to me, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm not because guess what? Any player in college hoops or any player in the NBA can get hurt at any point in time. It's always there. So you'll drive yourself crazy. Like, don't try and convince yourself or talk yourself out of drafting Zion because of possible injury. Nah, to me, it's simple. It's Zion and it's everybody else. And the Bulls shouldn't worry about fit. Is this the clearest we've been about a number one pick in a few years? I mean, yeah, probably. I'm trying to think back to last year. Like last year, there was some doubt. Like a lot of people really liked Luca. A lot of people really liked DeAndre Ayton, but it wasn't as clear as I think Zion is right now. No, I, I would agree with that. The other thing I wanted to say about Zion really quick, Matt, uh, I love stats, and while college is kind of it's a little bit more it's a little bit more difficult to dive into like deep analytics for college basketball, but I thought this was interesting. Andrew Bailey had mentioned it on Twitter uh, yesterday, and I wanted to follow up really quick. So right now, Zion Williamson's box plus minus is twenty one point seven. Do you know what the single season leader for box plus minus in college basketball ever is since nineteen eighty five, since when they started keeping these records is? I don't off the top of my head. Eighteen point six seven. And who is that? Anthony Davis, twenty eleven, twenty twelve season. Zion is on pace to break Damn. his single season box plus minus record in college. To follow up, the top five are. Jeez. <laughs> and that was like Anthony Davis, the MVP of what a lot of people thought was like one of the greatest college teams of all time, that Kentucky team. Right, correct. Matt, can you guess the bull, the current bull that's on this top five list? Of best plus minuses for a college career? Best single season box plus minus. A current bull. Current bull. Oh, man. Um, You're never going to get this. Mm, that is, uh, That is intriguing. I mean, I want to say Wendell, but no, I don't think it is. Um, Antonio Blakeney. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns comes in at number two, 2014-2015 season. Victor Oladipo, number three, shout out Indiana, 2012-2013 season, 16.9. Oh, wait, Archie. It's Archie. Ryan Archie Diakno. Incorrect. At number four, ah. box plus minus of 16.54 in the 2015-2016 season, Denzel Valentine of Michigan State. Number four. Oh, God. Can you believe that? <laughs> he was the AP player of the year that last year. I mean, he did have a phenomenal senior year. Yeah, Valentine had a great senior year with Sparty, and like he basically ran that offense. Which is why a lot of Bulls fans were like, well, let Denzel play point guard. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. But, the, you know, I guess I, they had some kind of reasoning behind that because he did uh, he did run um, what was a very good Michigan State team. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great piece of trivia right there. To round out the top five, it was DeLon Wright at number five. So there you go. Anthony Davis, right. Carl Anthony Towns, Victor Oladipo, Denzel Valentine, and DeLon Wright. All right, this text comes from the 808, says, Hi, guys. I read a trade somewhere that the Warriors are interested in getting more size in the center and power forward positions. So for the hell of it, I went to the trusty ESPN trade machine and asked for Draymond Green and DeMarcus Cousins for Robin Lopez and Bobby Portis, and it worked. Granted, it's a crappy trade on the Warriors' end, but with Green's recent 
slump, and the unknown factor of Cousins will back in time for the playoffs. I'd be semi-interested if I was the Warriors. What do you think? Feel free to be harsh if this is stupid. So DeMarcus Cousins is coming back January 18th against the Clippers. So he is returning. But it is an interesting question what they are going to do with Draymond Green because they have some questions that they want to keep Kevin Durant around. And I'm not saying like that the Bulls would make this deal, and I understand what he's saying, but I don't know like I don't know what, what Robin Lopez does for them. Bobby Portis might be interesting on that Warriors team. Like that would that would make me so angry. I would hate to see Bobby Portis. I love that guy and I would not want him on that Warriors team, but he would fit. He would fit to a T with that team. But Matt, what do you think about a possible deal with the Warriors? And would you want Draymond Green? Okay. Well, because this texter said, feel free to be harsh if this is stupid, this is stupid. <laughs> Granted, they, they they sent us this text a few days ago before we got the announcement of DeMarcus making his return. So maybe that, because, right. and they did mention, you know, Cousins, we're not sure with his injury, will he be back for the playoffs? Well, yeah, it looks like he will be. We've also heard that Cousins is keen on staying in Golden State another you know sign another one-year deal or whatever to stay next season and remain part of that dynasty keep that Warriors dynasty going and taking the pay cut that goes along with that so to me that's already makes this trade very unlikely because why would Boogie want to leave a title contending team a defending champion team to come play in Chicago um outside of that the, the ESPN trade machine says a lot of trades are successful it's all about just balancing the contracts i saw like you did one the other day jordan right there was like went to our maverick it was like sending felicio and jabari somewhere yeah i sent uh our friend nick over at locked on mavericks said send us all of your mavericks trades to try and fix the Mavs." oh and you you had the mavs sending us luca and and us sending the mavs Felicio. Felicio and you ain't no Michael Jordan and uh, Jabari. Yeah, so oh, Mavericks fans were going nuts. Like some the, people didn't get get that it was a joke. Oh, right, it's, it's a it's, it's a joke, and it's a joke because the ESPN trade machine only takes into account do the contracts balance out? Are the contracts within that five million dollar limit that the NBA rules require? So hilariously because of the money Jabari and and Felicio were making that contract worked uh, or that trade I should say worked so the fact that the ESPN trade machine says that Draymond DeMarcus for Lopez Bobby works no I don't think that the Warriors would in a million years say we'll give you Draymond and Boogie you give us Rolo and Bobby that is asinine in my opinion (laughs) not happening I agree I agree too thanks for the text though keep uh Keep shooting us texts, 808. Hey, man, it's Corey from Peoria, and I was just calling to say that uh, I agree with Jordan. I do think that the Bulls should at least get a meeting with Kevin Durant in this offseason. And I'll, I'll say this because everybody seems to think that New York is the place that he's going to go or one of the places that he might potentially go. And for whatever reason, the New York Knicks can get a meeting with all the dysfunction of that franchise with the – the laughing stock that they were just a couple of years ago. So if Kevin Durant is thinking about the New York Knicks, then I think he should at least think about Chicago too. They, the Knicks are not that much better, if better at all, than where the Bulls currently sit. Well, where the Bulls currently sit. Because who do they have? Porzingis? That's it. 
that's it. That's all they have is Porzingis. And he's on the shelf right now, and he's probably going to look like Zach Levine looked like coming off of his ACL last year. So if Kevin Durant can get excited to sit down with the Knicks because they're a big market, well, guess what? Chicago's the third largest market. I honestly think that he'd be better off talking to the Bulls. And the only reason I think that that's a pipe dream is because of the front office. If we had a better front office, our front office was looked at around the league as competent, I think that the Bulls would probably be the front runner to sign Kevin Durant for all the same reasons that people are giving New York. If the Bulls weren't looked at as a laughing stock, which we are, I think there'd be a lot more there. As far as Anthony Davis, I, I really do just think that that's a pipe dream. And if I do not want to sell all of our young guys for Anthony Davis because like you guys mentioned, we're going to end up looking like the Pelicans. At the end of the day, we're going to end up looking exactly how the Pelicans look right now, and that's that's not going to be any fun. Plus, I personally believe that Anthony Davis is a little bit injury-prone, and I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks for the call, Corey. Thanks for checking in. So, Matt, let's start two-part question here, two-part response, I should say. Uh, let's start with KD. A lot of interest. I didn't think this was going to get as much traction, but I guess I guess it does. Talking about like going to the New York Knicks. I, I mean, I have to agree with him. I think there's an X factor here. You know, if if Kevin Durant is going to go on this tour, he's already going to know who has the number one pick. And if he is going to go to a team that is sort of on the rise, sort of rebuilding, like just maybe one piece away, wants to be the number one somewhere, and looking for good young talent, like this number one pick going and playing next to Zion is probably going to going to play a huge factor in a pitch. So I think landing that number one pick if it goes to the Knicks, that's a huge that's a huge plus for New York. If it goes to the Bulls, that is a huge plus for the Bulls. So I do agree, like. That it's all going to come down to basically stacking up assets and seeing which team has better assets. And like, look, at the end of the day, it's Kevin Durant's decision. And does he want to come to Chicago and and deal with an with a rebuilding team and deal with some of the dysfunction that he's heard from around the league and deal with the front office here? I don't know. But the I mean, our caller here, Corey, makes makes perfect sense. Like the New York Knicks have been a mess too. So it's not like it's been all perfectly fine with them over the last three or four years. So I get what he's saying about Durant. That's all I'm asking for. It's just, just get a meeting. Yeah. Hashtag just get a meeting. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where he's coming from and I can appreciate the fact that you agree with him and that just, you know, get yourself a meeting. You're the third largest market team. You're a team with a great, you know, rich history and probably right now a more interesting young core than the Knicks have. As as Corey said, outside of Porzingis, they don't have a whole lot going for him right now. Um, and, and I would agree with that assessment. His thing about the only reason that we might not and that a free agent with a big name like KD might look to the Knicks before they look to the Bulls is because the Bulls are a laughing stock. But like, what about the Knicks? The Knicks are a laughing stock too? Okay, well, yes, to some degree, the Bulls have been an embarrassment nationally recently just because of like the, the, the mutiny thing. That's the latest reason that the Bulls have gotten national storylines and national headlines for the wrong reasons. And there have been a, a few of those in the past couple of seasons as we've rebuilt. Um, the Knicks, in their own right, have had similar kind of uh, drama surrounding their team over recent years and the, the failed Phil Jackson experiment and all of that. 
So, you know, like James Dolan getting in a fight with Charles Oakley and all that kind of stuff. They similarly have had to deal with some of those embarrassing national headlines, much like the Bulls have. But here's the one thing that Corey either didn't mention or didn't think of, and you didn't mention or didn't think of. Chicago is not New York. It's not. And I'm sorry that that's probably something that Bulls fans don't like to hear, especially those Bulls fans who are native Chicagoans. Make people very angry right now. Live in Chicago, are from Chicago, but live somewhere else right now, but still have very close sentimental ties to our city, the second city. It is the second city for a number of reasons as far as that nickname goes. But guess what? It's not New York. There is only one New York. And if KD wants to go be the king of New York, that means a whole lot more than coming to Chicago. It does. I'm sorry that I'm the one who has to say that to Corey and to fellow Bulls fans who say, why on earth would KD pick the Knicks over the Bulls given the situation of both franchises right now? Chicago is not New York. Bottom line. Doesn't matter if the Knicks are just as dysfunctional as the Bulls. Doesn't matter if the Knicks' young core is maybe less exciting or less talented, in your opinion, and even in maybe in some NBA players' opinion, as, as what we have in Chicago. Doesn't matter. New York is New York. There is only one New York, and that is why it is always on the short list for big name players. Here are the teams that are that have more cap space than the Bulls coming into this summer. This is according to Spot Track. So according to practical cap space this offseason, the Kings are number one, 58 million. So it goes the Kings, the Mavericks, the Nets, the Hawks, the Pacers, Clippers, Knicks, Lakers, 76ers, and Bulls. Those are the top 10 teams with at least $30 million to spend relative to the cap. You had $30 million or more to spend. I think we said yesterday that with all the updates and everything, the Bulls had around $35, $36 million to spend or so. So they're going to have the money. So that that's the first start. You're going to have the money, get a meeting. After that, it's it's in the Bulls' hands. Matt, last question on this, this KD stuff. In a fantasy land, if the Bulls landed Kevin Durant, what would your, your viewpoint of the front office be? I would applaud them. That would, that would be a huge get. Unquestionably, that would be a huge get. Something that they have not accomplished. They, they tried to get Bron Wade and Bosch, and as we were talking about pre- earlier in the episode, they couldn't get it done. Tried to get Mello. Mello said no. Like there, there are several examples of them not being able to be the team that lands the big target that every team wants. Kevin Durant would certainly qualify for the front office accomplishing that for the first time. I would agree with that. Just very curious. It is a big if. It's a it's a big if. It's a big if. I say it's very unlikely. Um, which, you know, we've said since we started the KD conversation. But, you know, for all of those hashtag Fireguard Paxters out there who want to find something negative with everything they do, I I challenge you to find a way to, to make fun of the front office if they were able to pull off a move like that. And again, if. On to a couple other voicemails. Real quick, want to get to this one. So normally I'm able to clean up our audio as best as we can, even if you're if it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel or something or you've got your windows rolled down while you're calling us. This one was very unplayable, so I'm not even going to play it, but I do want to mention it from the 559. Thank you again for dropping us a call, Jacob. The thing I will touch on, basically, his call was saying 
about an idea of playing Markkanen at the three. I'll start and stop you there. Markkanen is never going to play the three in the NBA. I'm sorry. He's going to go, if, if anything, he'll go from the four to the five, not from the four to the three. And that's where I start and end that discussion. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. We've even heard the Bulls brass talk about maybe playing Markkanen at the five someday in the future. And you know, now that we have Wendell, if we end up keeping Wendell and the other pieces around Markkanen, that will be a determining factor. Um, but I, I'm with you. Look, we've seen Markkanen make some strides of improvement this season as far as his his lateral footwork on the defensive end. He's shown us a few times his ability to go out and, and defend a little bit better at the perimeter than he did last season. But there's still a big gap there. I think there's still still a gap that would prevent Markkanen from being able to guard most of the threes in this league uh, out at the perimeter. And for that reason... I, I think the marketing at the three experiment is something that we will probably never see. And for that reason, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Two. And yeah. for that reason alone, I'm out. I'm out. I've got to say, I think this is a liability nightmare. You don't have any claims that you can back up, so I'm out. Look at it and say a million dollar valuation for a little piece of metal with two magnets on it. That's sheer insanity. I'm out. <laughs> Sound like you were on Shark Tank for a second. <laughs> yeah, because you know I, I I love me some Mark Cuban. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to our next voicemail here. This is from the two two four. All right, what's good, guys? This is C's one thousand calling from Chicago. Um, avid Bulls fan, a Bulls fan all my life. So first and foremost, I want to say thanks uh, you all for putting out this podcast every day because. I am a true fan, and we want to hear about the team five, six, seven days a week. So that's much appreciated. Um, I was calling to say um, this is a historic franchise. Um, the Reinsdorf family has owned it forever. And um, I, I, I think that maybe he's getting older. He just doesn't really care much about the team, or has he ever cared about the team? And that's an issue that you all could talk about at some other point. I just want to say um, I think we uh, just need to be a little bit more positive about the Bulls. We're still playing in a weak Eastern Conference. We still got um, Zach Levine. Um, and if you watch the Bulls play, he's truly a special player. He's phenomenal. He just goes out there. He handles the ball. He scores at will. It's just really enjoyable to watch him over – uh, a player not to be named that might be playing on another team now. I also want to say um, Chris Dunn's development is uh, coming along. I've been watching him play since, um, you know, Minnesota since he came into the league. Uh, he's nothing to really write home about, but he's sustainable. You know, as a superstar point guard, no way. But, um, you know, he can do a good enough job to make it. I think uh, – I just don't think it's fair for Jabari Parker not to play. Um, nobody wants him. They shouldn't have went out and swung so high to go get him. I think that was a bad idea uh, just with upper management. And I do think that uh, they will place some blame on um, Gar Foreman. And I think it might – just my own opinion that Gar might be gone after this year just so they could – you know, kind of justify the whole tanking without tanking idea. But as a avid Bulls fan, I just want to say, guys, we're only 18 games back. We're playing in the week east. 
if something could turn around us winning three games in a row in the very weak East, I think that uh <laughs> we could probably carve out a semi-decent season. Always bullish on the Bulls. Love the show. I probably won't ever get on the air, but <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Um, First-time caller. Have a good night. Go Bulls. Thanks for the call, Steve1000. First-time caller. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we put up episodes five days a week. Like, look, if you're here in Chicago and you listen to local radio, a lot of the radio stations here, a lot of places nationally, do little to no Bulls talk. It's been mostly Bears and True to them, they have to. The Bears have been good. The Bulls have not. So we're here for you, though. We're here for diehard Bulls fans five days a week, every single week. With that said, though, funny thing is, is like, let's remind ourselves about Jerry Reinsdorf real quick. He bought the Bulls back in 1985 for what, 15, 16 million? Or his investors bought him for like 9.2 million, I think, if you want to really get super specific. But what are the Bulls evaluated at today? $2.6 billion, according to Forbes. So just just keep that in mind. Yeah, and, and he can thank Michael Jordan for that. <laughs> yeah, right. And over and over and over and over again. Uh, but the overall is, is the Eastern Conference is pretty weak. And even going forward, I think the next two, three, four years, unless superstars start changing conferences, you really only have to worry about maybe two, three teams in this Eastern Conference is truly yeah, dominant. I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment from our caller in that if you look at, like, t- just take today, right now, January 9th, 2019, we're right around the halfway point of the season. The Bulls have played 40 games. Most teams have played somewhere between, you know, 39, 42 Miami is currently the sixth seed in the East with a 19 and 20 record. Brooklyn seven at 20 and 22. Charlotte at eight, 19 and 21. And then on down the line, Detroit 17 wins. Orlando same 17. Washington 16. Hawks 12. Bulls and Knicks 10. Cavs eight. So your six, seven, and eight seed playoff bound in the East right now are all sub 500 teams halfway through the season, and we have seen that many seasons over in the Eastern Conference. Sometimes eight seed finishes 41 and 41, something like that. But we have seen sub-500 teams make the playoffs in the East multiple times over the last handful of years as the West has been more dominant than the East. It can change. Who knows what other teams in the East will do based on where they are now and where they're trying to go. Toronto, Milwaukee, Indy, Philly, Boston, those are the, the real teams in the East right now, those five. And uh, certainly those teams, assuming they keep their cores together for the most part and maybe add to them, will continue to be good competitive teams, not just in the East, but across the NBA. It is fair to say that Bulls fans should try to be a bit more optimistic about where we are because the East is as weak as it is. Um, That being said... The Bulls might be one year away from being a, a bottom five seed, you know, five through eight playoff bound team in the East because it, uh, it is a weak conference. But that's not what Bulls fans care about, I think. Obviously, you would like to see this rebuild make that step to where the Bulls, young as they might be, are a playoff team, maybe not playoff contender, but playoff team because you need to make that step before you get the championship contender. But we all know what Bulls fans want, 
And it's this rebuild to result in ultimately championship-level contention. And there's a difference between that and being a playoff team in a, in a bad Eastern Conference. That's my take, Jordan. What about you? Totally agree, and I've said that multiple times. Said It's it's about championships now. After hitting the reset button, it's about championships for me. And, you know, I don't care how long... At this point, I don't care how long it takes, but I don't want to be back in the playoffs unless we're on a path where you can clearly see we're going we're going up instead of uh oh we're plateauing at seven or eight seed for the next two, three years and then all of a sudden we got a problem, gotta blow everything up or spend ridiculous money to stay at the seven sixth or eighth seed. Uh the only way this Bulls team he had mentioned at the end of his call, the only way this team is is getting back into any type of relevancy and being talked about is you're gonna have to pull like a Miami Heat Dion Waiters. Like how many games did they win? Wasn't it they had that ridiculous record a couple years back when Deion Waiters joined the team for the first time. What was that? That was like, then they go on a like a 35-game stretch where they went like, I can't remember exactly, like 25 and 10 or something like it, that. I, I want to say like they, I uh, this might be wrong, but I want to double check it. I, it. I think it was something like this. It was like they started 10 and 31 the first 41 games of the season, and then they went 31 and 10. I think that that's what it was. <sighs> Which is like insane. The Bulls are ten and thirty right now. Hey, maybe they could do it. <laughs> Parentheses, they can't. But thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. All right, last text of the day. Remember, you can hit us up three three one nine seven nine one three six nine. The place to do that. Text messages and voicemails twenty four seven. 365. So whenever you're listening to the show, wherever you listen to the show, you can drop us texts and voicemails there. So from the 708, hi guys, Tina here. It's new hashtag time after that press conference last night. So this is from last Wednesday. Hashtag fire gar packs boy. Boylan is only about punishment and not development of players. He's going to crush any spirit they have left and set back the rebuild. So this is after the Orlando lost, just for some reference. Typical Gar Packs to put the keys in his hand. It's a shame because I really like this core and I'm rooting for them to do well. Boylan name drops about all he's learned from Pop, yet never takes any responsibility for his game plan or his own adjustments. Pop takes responsibility for poor play and is part of the team. It's getting kind of ridiculous. I hate supporting this front office and putting money in the Bulls' pockets, but I love the NBA too much in our core to not continue to support. It's a catch-22 situation, and unfortunately, the Bulls' owners know it. Keep up the great work, guys. Love the show. Thanks for texting in. Appreciate that. Yeah, that that Orlando loss was just that was brutal. That was that was one of the more depressing losses. We said it last week. Like I said, that was that might be more pain. That was more painful, I think, than maybe even that Warriors loss. I don't know you by you, Matt. Well, yeah, because the Warriors are the Warriors. Orlando is true. Exactly. Orlando is Orlando. That's why it hurt. And like we had already proven <laughs> that we could beat that team earlier in the season before getting blown out by them at home. Like that is embarrassing. It's more embarrassing than the Warriors lost for sure. Um, and it was another one of the games where we saw the slow, ugly, terrible boiling offense as opposed to that Pacers game where he actually let them get out and run a little bit. Um, to Tina's point about the, you know, let's change the the hashtag and include Boylan in it, Firegar Packs Boy. I, you know how I feel about that, Jordan. Like the the hashtag Firegar Packers, like try and find. And it sounds like Tina is also 
as the way that uh, she finished up her comments, she also really loves the the young core and she loves the team. So it's hard to feel that way and feel like cynical that that way all the time. That's where you and I are, Jordan. We always try to be fair to the front office and, and, and commend them when they do something that's deserving of praise, even as recently as getting two second round picks for holiday. Um, and, you know, in a vacuum, throwing some more cash in the pockets of the team with the uh, with that Michael Carter Williams trade from a couple days ago. But I think it's fair that there is a balance of cynicism and pessimism with optimism and, and adoration for this team. That's, you know, Bulls fans, most of them are Bulls fans and have been for life. I know that's the case for you and I. And it's hard to, to feel like you just want so many people in charge of this team and running this team to be cast aside and let's just start over when it comes to the front office and the coach. The one part of of Tina's comments where I will defend Boylan is when Tina says he's only about punishment and not developing players. I disagree with that. I think it's I think that's unfair to Boylan to say that. Certainly he has tried to to put on the part of, you know, uh Marine Corps leader, you know, our army army sergeant, whatever kind of guy, and yeah, he's gonna make his his young team run some wind sprints in practice and do some push ups in practice, and oh dear God, that never happens in the NBA anymore, and you know everybody's getting their panties in a twist because of something like that. Okay, I I see where you're coming from, but to suggest he's only punishment and no development, look, we know that, that basketball is a two directional sport. And we are talking right now about how it's frustrating, like in that Orlando loss that Tina was referencing, to see the offense just so stagnant compared to what they were trying to accomplish, at least under Fred. I get that. But you also have to take into consideration the increased effort and efficiency of this Bulls team on the defensive end. And that is Jim Boylan. You cannot say that he's not about developing players because right now he is trying to develop the defensive competency of these young players. So there's me taking my stand to defend Jim Boylan because you can't say it's all punishment and and no development. Offensive side of the ball, I understand your grievances. And Jordan and I have both said we hope that that improves as we move forward. But in the meantime, he's working on developing these guys to be better defensive players. I'm in agreement with you too. I think you know it it came across that way when he was... First was a head coach. You know, the first two weeks, I think that's kind of been a lingering effect for all of us. And I was angry, and I was angry for a couple weeks, and now I'm I'm back to trying to give Boylan at least a shot. And he's done some good things, like you had mentioned, but I I don't think he's like try. He's all about punishment. The thing is, is we've got to we've got to try to reprogram our brains to realize that Fred Hoiberg. We never saw him hold anybody accountable for anything, and he was letting guys basically do whatever they want. He was very much a player's guy, and to his own fault, that was part of the reason why he got fired. And now we're seeing Boylan really hold everybody accountable. Doesn't don't don't care who you are, whether you you went number seven in the 2017 first round or you went 2018 first round. Don't care if you just got paid $80 million in the offseason. Don't care who you are. You're getting held accountable for things that you're doing on the floor. And I can applaud that. I can appreciate that. But when you make it demeaning and you do th- you, you blame players for things that you kind of caused, as uh, a la the Boston Celtics loss, mm-hmm. that's where I have a problem. But I do agree with you in the sense that the development, 
he's not he's not trying to just be uh, all about punishment and not about development. I don't think that's at that's all at all the case. So we'll just we'll have to find out if Boylan can develop with these players, right? We talked about this with Fred. Can Fred develop into a good NBA coach? Because as much as these players are learning, Fred was learning. Now, can Boylan learn how to adapt himself to the NBA as a head coach, similarly to these players? Yeah, and I think you know you and I are both um, in the camp of we want to wait and see what Boylan does in these back end forty games this season before we're ready to let him remain this coach of this rebuild moving forward into next season. And I, I've said before, I'll say again, I don't think it's a guarantee that Boylan gets to coach this team next season. Regardless of what Paxson said to the media when the coaching change happened and what he's said to the media since then, voicing his support for Boylan, and, oh my gosh, would it be crazy that the Bulls would be paying three coaches? They'd be paying Fred, they'd be paying Jim, and they'd be paying a new head coach. I think that's still within, within the realm of possibility. We'll see what Boylan does, and I hope that we see some kind of modern offense from these young, talented Bulls, especially now that they're healthy. Um, but it's certainly no guarantee. And if we get to the end of this season and the Bulls are back towards the lo- back in the lottery and Boylan didn't show us all that much as far as being capable of running an NBA team offensively, then then I'd be fine with Boylan going out and somebody new coming in. Absolutely. Agreed with you. And I don't think Boylan's the guy. I'll, I'll continue to say that. I'll, I'll, we'll give him a shot, but I don't think he's the guy. So that's that's where I stand. Matt, last thing. Our boy, our boy, Paul Zipser, signed a two-way contract with the Nets. Paul Zipser, who we're high on. So now the Bulls aren't just high on Paul Zipser, Dude, so are the Nets. Somewhere Gar Foreman is so happy. Like, see? I'm not the only one who thought Zipser Paul was Zipser, who were high competent on. NBA player. Dude, wouldn't it be so perfect if Paul Zipser goes on to have this like great emergence in Brooklyn a la Spencer Dinwiddie after his stint with the Bulls <laughs> and like Dinwiddie Zipser becomes like the greatest duo of players in the league all of a sudden. And his, both guys of the Bulls are like, oh, we like this guy. Ah, we're going to let this guy no, go. No, throw up. Um, clearly, I'm being facetious because that's very unlikely. <laughs> but uh, hey, good for Paul Zipser. Hey, did you see campaign got some action for the Cavs last night? I did not. I do not pay attention to oh, a yeah. single game of the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> and and even less than that of Cameron Payne now that he's off the Bulls. Surprisingly, they did not win. <laughs> Bulls still two, two <laughs> wins behind the Cavs in the tankathon standing. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. You can drop us text messages, voicemails. Everybody who did that today, thank you again. Always makes our episodes on Wednesdays fantastic. So continue to do that. 331-979-1369. Hit us up on social media on Twitter at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Shy Bulls. We're on Instagram at Locked on Bulls. iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us that's where you need to go to subscribe we're live on dash radio dash radio.com and the dash radio app on the nothing but net channel live on dash radio every tuesday thursday and saturday 10 a.m eastern 9 a.m central time that's tomorrow morning 10 a.m eastern 9 a.m central time for matt peck i'm jordan valley bulls nation enjoy blazers and bulls tonight we'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck 
dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 